Hi, you're about to hear the second episode of our Patreon-only podcast, Okay Love You, Hi! Don't worry, you don't have to listen in order, but episode one is on our Riverdale feed if you want to check it out. We're releasing the first five episodes on each of our five podcast feeds, so make sure that you're subscribed to all five of them so you don't miss one! You can join our Patreon at the $10 tier to get access to this bi-weekly show, and along with early access at the $1 tier, and a Fictionados Discord server is now available at the $2 level. Uh, if you join a higher level, you also get the levels below, so please check it out and uh, enjoy episode two. Okay, love you, hi! This is a Patreon-only podcast from the Aficionados Podcast Network. If you're hearing this, you know who we are. <laughs> I'm Robin. I'm Brittany. And I'm Sam. This podcast is a bi-weekly account of topics that we want to talk about. Because it's our show. It's our show, not yours. The first five episodes of this podcast are going to be going up a week later on our various podcast feeds. So the first five episodes will have a slight theme to each podcast. And then after that, all bets are off and we get to talk about whatever we want. And if you're listening to this on Patreon, you're exclusive, baby. What the After the first five episodes, uh, you're exclusive, baby. Um, yeah, yeah. We use the acronym OKLY for this show, and as a Patreon sponsor over $2, go check out the Oakley section of our Discord server to talk to others about this show and all of our other ones. That's wow. exciting. Uh, this episode is going up on our The 100 feed, so we're going to be talking about our comfort shows or, like, comfort media. We I have struggled. so many. <laughs> we struggled. Yeah. I am now putting, like I said last episode, I am now putting away my iPad because that consists of all the notes I had for this. Nailed it. <laughs> we struggled. I like couldn't excuse the hell out of you, Mr. Beep Beep. <laughs> toot, toot, beep Beep. <laughs> we, originally we had said that it was only like comfort shows and we'll probably call this episode comfort shows yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. But I was like having such a hard time trying to figure out three because most of my comfort shows are shows that we already cover on this podcast yeah. network. Yeah. And anything that I've said about how good Lost is and how much joy it brings me has already been reiterated on several of the podcast feeds. Wait, you like Lost? <laughs> and then also, like, Riverdale is probably, like, one of my other ones. Yeah. So instead good. we kind of changed it. So, like, you had to pick one show, one movie, and then your third one could be either a show or a movie, and it was up to you. Yeah. Because we were all struggling on trying to figure out exactly what we were trying to do. Yeah. I have, like, six things written down, and I promise I will find a way to talk about all of them. Okay. I feel like it's, like, comfort <laughs> media. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I think next week's, or, like, holds, next episode. Holds Taylor Swift albums gently. Oh, my God. <laughs> next episode is, is going to be also about media, so I feel like shows is, like, the perfect word for this Okay. Mm, yeah. Do you want to start with movies? If you want to, yeah, right. sure. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like anyone who knows me knows that this is my answer. <laughs> But my really weird comfort movie is Jurassic Park. I don't think that's weird, personally. Watching a movie where dinosaurs murder people is kind of weird. I'd love to hear what you find comforting about it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Like, this this is like the thing. Well, they survive. It's true. Everyone lives. There's always... Oh, so sorry. There's always, like, kick-ass women. I've seen the movie. I don't... Yeah, I was about to say, this movie is older than you, Robin. In what way is that a spoiler? Wait, it actually is. It's from 1993. Yeah. (gasps) <gasps> magical. Like, I love the whole franchise. I don't know. There's something about, like, people... It's an action movie with dinosaurs, and there's a little bit of romance, mm-hmm. and I love that. I don't know. That's just, like, 100% my jam. So, whenever I would be, like, sick or really upset, the sickest in my life I ever was, I watched The Lost World Jurassic Park and Lost. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I want to have lost. the word lost in the title. Apparently. Yeah, it's a, it's a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That franchise, I just love every movie. Like, even the Jurassic World movies, which I guess not everyone loves. I'm like, I don't care. I love them. I don't know how you don't love them. Bryce they're Dallas Howard is right there. Like, they're so good. Like, I know we're un- they have the unfortunate consequence of, like, having a Chris Pratt in them. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not their fault. That's Don't blame the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. For Chris Pratt. It's not their fault. Plus there's Baby Blue. Exactly. Yeah. And again, action romance. Exactly. Like, superb Oh, you know what's also comforting about it? The John Williams score. There's mm-hmm. something very comforting about a good John Williams score. And Jake Kino. Mm-hmm. And did World. just the existence of Laura Dern in any universe is... So like, true, Bastion. The reassurance that she's there. There's so many MILFs in, Jur- in the Jurassic Park franchise. Like a good neighbor, Laura Dern is there. <laughs> My God, bye! <laughs> that was incredible. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Yeah. I think that all of, all of our comfort media has some kind of MILF in it. At least for me and you, yeah. Yeah. I can kind of segue from dinosaurs. Yeah, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. To Night of the Museum 2. I feel like that has the same energy in terms of films. It's fun. similar, and it also has that, like, kind of, like, big score. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's, like, fun in the way that, like, the stakes are lower because the world is so much lower. Yeah. Or, like, uh... No one's gonna smaller, die. Smaller. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could, but it really only matters if one person dies. It's literally just Jed and Octavius thinking that they're gonna die over and over and over again. Exactly, but they if they do. die, it's, like, fine because they weren't actual real people. Sorry. Oh! Wow. Wow. What like, do you mean? Tell that to their tiny little faces when they wake <laughs> up in the night, Robin. I mean, just get new ones made. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. They're not gonna have the same personality. They could. Just get new ones. I don't know how it works. Does, does the bust of Teddy Roosevelt and actual Teddy Roosevelt have the same personality? I don't think so. I that's, feel like no, that's nature yeah. versus nurture, though, because <laughs> those are two different Teddy Roosevelt's who were born and, and raised in different ways, but if Jed and Octavius were literally just made out of the exact same mold with the exact same paint, I think they'd be pretty similar. All right. I don't know if they would have the same character development, so you're right about that. Exactly. Like, their character development would reset, but... They're, they... Their romance would have to start all yeah. over again. <laughs> Which was completely purposeful, if you didn't know. They meant to make it gay. If you guys aren't familiar, I don't know what rock you're living under, but um, the Night of the Museum trilogy, I, I've seen the first one probably ten times. I've, I've seen, seen the first one ten times. I've yeah. seen the third one once in theaters. It was terrible. Also same, I snuck into it. I did not pay for it. Yeah, it's because I don't think I liked it. It was bad. It, was, but it wasn't good. The sink said, I didn't like it either. <laughs> yeah. But the the second one, I think I've seen probably over 30 times. Yeah. I'm here to talk to you about Night of the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian. I feel like <laughs> if you were gay, you'd be gay for that movie. It's like, <laughs> it's the best, it's one of the best movies, I think. There's going to be a whole episode of this show just called Why You Should Watch Night of the Museum 2, uh-huh. so I don't want to go too far into it. Uh-huh. Um, that one's not going to be going up for free on our feeds, though, so uh, <laughs> just know that. S- subscribe. So if you want to hear Robin lose her friggin' mind. I'm just saying, it is really funny, mm-hmm. and it's like in a bigger scale than the first one, because the first one was just the Natural Museum of History in New York, mm-hmm. and this one is like several different museums. The lore is so good that it's an absolutely all-star cast. Mm-hmm. It do be stacked. I don't have the time to name you all of the, like, absolute bangers that are in this, in this movie. <laughs> there's a huge amount of people in that movie. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a whole episode of this show uh, all about why you should watch on the museum, too, but I laugh every time. Yeah. Like, none of the jokes 
get old for me. I laugh. <laughs> it's because they're time. always funny. Hank Azaria is the best character in it, and that's saying something because Amelia Earhart in that movie is my comfort character. Mm-hmm. But Hank Azaria, he's everything to me. Yeah, in that movie, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can segue with comedy because my comfort movie is a comedy. I love Galaxy Quest so much. That's because it's the (laughs) correct choice for this. It's the best Star Trek movie. That's correct. Sorry, I've heard people say that. Is that a joke because it's not actually a Star Trek movie? Yeah. It's basically a Star Trek movie? Yes. Yeah. It's a joke, but also, like, it's serious because okay. it's a Star Trek movie based on, like, the entire Star Trek franchise. Great. Because Galaxy Quest is a pun for Star, Star Trek. Trek. Gotcha, gotcha. And, yeah, it's just uh, probably my favorite movie ever. I watched the documentary that they did last year on, like, Amazon Prime or whatever. It was so good I cried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's such a funny movie, and I found it when I was, like, 13, 15, I don't know. Like, before you even watched Star Trek. Yeah, before I watched Star Trek, like, I was just, like, a baby sci-fi fan, and I was like, oh, look at this movie, it has um, Sigourney Weaver in it, mom, can I stay home from church and record it? And she was like, like, you know that that's, like, a parody of sci-fi, right? And I was like, yes, and then I was like... It's perfect. I will watch it a million times. It's okay that it's, it's a parody. It's fine. First of all, anything that Sigourney Weaver touches is perfect. That's too. And that's just a fact. Yeah. Talking to you, Finding Dory. <laughs> it's such a cult classic because it makes a fun, like, genuine comedy out of what it's like to be a fan of science fiction mm-hmm. and, like, what it's like to be an actor in science fiction because it's just such a goofy movie but there's so much sincerity and like genuine love for the people that it's about that they you know that they're they're laughing with you yeah. not at you there's so much knowledge of like what the fan culture is and they're like yeah you guys are a little goofy for yeah. being this into something but your hearts are in the right place galaxy quest is the antithesis of the big bang theory yeah because they're not laughing at you. Yeah. They're having fun with you. Yeah. The Big Thing Bang 3 is like one of the worst things ever made on television, and I stand by that. I completely agree. That and 100. What? <laughs> you can't say that on this feed. I absolutely can. Yeah, I if think anyone understands it's the 100 of the 100 feed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just love it, and um, it makes me laugh every single time, and it never gets old. And when I graduated college, you know how you get to, like, decorate your cap or whatever? Well, I put I put never give up, never surrender uh, on my cap. Like, I'll probably get that as a tattoo one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's great. Yeah. So, watch Galaxy Quest. Suzanne, if you're listening to this, uh, you have a free invite to our house post-Banini to watch Galaxy Quest with me, because I know <laughs> it is also your favorite movie. Yeah, anyone else who loves Galaxy Quest, just come to my house after the panini. We'll watch it together, and then we'll watch the documentary, and then we'll watch the movie again. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, transitioning from nerd stuff? Sure. (laughs) If you... Okay, so this is the third feed that I can talk about this on now. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Wait, what was the second one? I did... uh, So the Riverdale feed, it went to the Riverdale feed last episode, and then uh, I talked about it on Stranger Things. Oh, right, right, right. But it fits on Stranger Things very well. I know, exactly. I was like, "Uh, it's fair that I'm allowed to talk about it. You were very justified. I'm trying to figure out what I can say that's new (laughs) about this. 
Well, um, you started a new campaign. It's true, yeah. So they have they have multiple. Ca- I should probably Wait, talk about what s- I'm talking did we about. Say what you're um, talking about. Okay, so basically, while Brittany and Sam were gone for a month and a half, I was worried about my sanity, um, and so I found this thing. Uh, it's basically college humor doing a real time D and D campaign. They have like every second episode is a combat episode, and they have like little minis and like sets. It's really really cool, and it's like professional improvisers and like professional storytellers, like. Like doing these stories and it's amazing. Professional comedians too. Professional comedians, yeah. yeah. Like I said, I'm trying to figure out something that I can say about it that's new, but uh, basically Fantasy High is the first season. It's free on YouTube if you want to check it out. And then I also paid $60 to <laughs> be able to watch all of their other campaigns, of which there are like nine, I think. Mm. And they each have like- that's a lot. I didn't realize there were that many. Yeah, and there were like 30 plus hours for each of them. Yeah. Like it's like, there's a lot of content- Best sixty dollars I ever spent. Hey, yeah, life. definitely. Okay. Like that's such a deal, especially because only like one of, or two of them are actually like available for free. And like then you also get all of like the other stuff on College Humor too, because yeah. we've watched like Um Actually and like that game show that's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Oh, I love that game show. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we're just watching a lot of College Humor now, which is weird. I don't know. <laughs> there are five campaigns with the same cast as Fantasy High, mm-hmm. and so I have now watched Fantasy High, Fantasy High sophomore year, and I am in the middle of of A Crown of Candy, which is with that same cast, and it just, like, confirmed to me that no matter what characters they're playing, it's always good! Yeah. Wow! It's because you like the, you like the actors themselves. It's why, it's like, legitimately stan culture. Yeah, and then uh, the other two are, like, another, like, series, which is why I thought I would finish Crown of Candy before doing Unsleeping City, because there are two seasons of Unsleeping City, and I was like, I'll just get Crown of Candy over with, and then... And then you cried. <laughs> yeah, oh yes, I cried. I cried. Because in, in Fantasy High, like, spoilers, but kind of, like, anti-spoilers is that none of the player characters die in either season, of Fantasy High, and so I was completely taken off guard watching Crown of Candy, and if someone dies, Brennan's like, yep, and just lets them die, and then just, like, they uh, don't come back. Yeah, and then everybody cries, like, every, like at the table, everyone's just, like, <laughs> crying. Two characters have died already, and I just, like, I'm completely, uh, I'm out of it for, like, two hours after that, because I'm just sad. <laughs> Literally, I, I was working on something at the desk, and I heard Robin sniffling, and I was like, what's going on? Bowling her eyes out in her, in her bed. <laughs> it was very sad. But then they also have, like, several other seasons with other groups, mm-hmm. um, and so right now they're, like, actively putting out, every Wednesday they're putting out an episode of Mice and Murder, which is just, like, a murder mystery one, and only one of the cast members of the, like, a Fantasy High is in this one, but it's still super fun, and I, after I finish the seasons with, like, my favorite cast. I'm gonna go back and, wa- and like, watch the ones with, with other people in it. Nice. And it's gonna be super fun. And uh, it brings me endless joy. Thank you. I love that for you, bud. Thank you. Speaking of continuing on nerd That's this whole podcast. Yeah. Like, not even, like, just this one. The whole network. So true. <laughs> Brittany and I share this one. It's the entire Star Trek franchise. Mm-hmm. Brittany's, mm-hmm. like, top tier is Voyager, and my top tier is constantly changing at any given time depending on what mood i'm in it's usually tng though yeah it's usually tng but it's also discovery and also voyager oh yeah disco disco's really good yeah we have a pod planned for later on the oakley feed about how discovery season three is a perfect season of of television and it is. it is star trek is just such a perfect comfort show i think it is like maybe the definition of a comfort show it has to be because every single star trek that i've watched is 
good and pure and comforting and the characters are amazing and it's hopeful it yeah it's yeah. filled with hope like no matter the like situation that they're in you know that like you're safe here mm-hmm. <laughs> like teamwork and like love and family will like get through through any situation you don't have to worry about one of them being like brutally murdered at any given time mm-hmm. just for like edgelord reasons and like the evolution of like this type of storytelling in Star Trek is, like, constantly evolving, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, like, Discovery is more, like, like season-long arcs of things mm-hmm. and, like, big movie-style episodes and, like, a continuation throughout the season. Whereas, like, a lot of the older Star Trek was, like, episodic, and both are very good. <laughs> Lower Decks is episodic. Yeah. They kind of defined Picard as, like, the sort of, like, truly adult, mm-hmm. like, Star Trek, and I think that's... Correct. And, like, I think that because the storytelling, like, started episodically and then evolved into, like, these sort of, like, big narratives later on, Mm -hmm. it allowed the whole franchise to focus more on character overall than on, like, just general story plot over characters. Even if it's a one-off episode or if it's, like, a big season-long arc or a big two-parter or whatever, the story is still always rooted in the characters. They're not gonna sacrifice character for (laughs) plot, which, unlike some shows, um, (laughs) (laughs) which is, like, why it's so comforting because, like, you you can fall in love with these characters and know that, like, they're in good hands and you're in good hands. And if, like, something doesn't feel right, you can be, like, there, there's other people who not only will agree with you, but, like, acknowledge, like, hey, this was something that was pretty flawed in the show. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that that happened. And then you get to move on. People who, like, used to run Star Trek who did problematic things mm-hmm. are not involved in Star Trek anymore. Because yeah. Star Trek is, like, run by gay people now. And it's, like, constantly evolving into, like, being more and more accepting and, like, pushing the lines that it always should have been. Which is really nice. Like, we did the math the other day, and there's more queer characters on Discovery than there were in the entire original run of Star Trek. And, like, that's really cool. Who would you guys say are, like, your main, like, comfort characters on your various Star Treks? So many of them. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, my, like, top two are Deanna and Riker, but also, like, Janeway and Bellana and Seven and all of the women ever and Michael and Tilly and Giorgio, all of the women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. All of the women in Riker. <laughs> well, because he's a himbo. Yeah. Mine's definitely Janeway, just because, like, I think she's such a good leader, but she's also, like, so deeply flawed. And I think that's fascinating for a female character, especially in the 90s, because even though she was primarily written by men because of, like, what Kate Mulgrew put into her, she's so realistic. There's something about her that, like, makes me feel really safe. Kate keeps her really grounded and, like, makes you, like, see more Mm -hmm. than, like, what's just on the page. Exactly. Which is really nice. Yeah. I'm really excited because she gets to come back and, like, be, like, a teacher for, like, new generations, like, with with Prodigy, and I think that's gonna be really cool. Yeah. Because she's a really good role model. Oh, yeah. Janeway is the best captain. Period. She is. I don't want to hear anything else otherwise. Like, you can have your Picard versus Kirk debate, but I've already won because I chose Janeway. Thank you. Yeah. And, like, Picard is only better than Kirk if you're not talking about Chris Pine Kirk, in which case Chris Pine Kirk is better than Picard. That's Which will probably get me in trouble. No, I I agree with that because Chris Pine is just chef's kiss. Also, Michael is now a captain, and she has huge Janeway energy, yeah. so... Uh, I can't wait to see her as a captain. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we really like Star Trek because Star Trek got us through, like, all... I know when I was a teenager, Star Trek got me through a lot of really hard stuff, and then I came back to it a couple years ago 
when I was like, you know, pretty depressed. And now I'm like really, really happy. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek is just like something safe that you can always fall onto and it'll have your back all the time. Yeah. And like, I know this is going on the hundred feed, but like, I didn't watch Star Trek until, like, the last, it, like, overlapped for me, the last couple seasons of The 100, and, like, it was just such a stark contrast that it was nice to, like, turn to Star Trek after The 100 got really, like, harmful and terrible, to, like, turn to Star Trek and actually be comforted by the genre that I love so much. Well, because it teaches you that you don't actually have to be abused as a viewer in order to ha- make a good show. Yeah. And, like, I don't say that, like, flippantly. Like, I truly believe that Jason Rothenberg, in the end, was out to abuse his viewers. Oh, yeah. So, like, Star Trek will never do that to you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's really magical. Even when there were, like, dumber people at the hands of Star Trek, they weren't, like, trying to screw you over. Yeah, they were making Star Trek because they (laughs) liked Star Trek. Like, even though they wound up, they ended Voyager with a ship that was designed to piss people off. People came along, like, ten years later and went, oh, I'm gonna fix that. Yeah. Like, eventually it got fixed. Yeah. So... I can't be mad. <laughs> this is a, I, that's a question that I feel like we should have been asking the whole time is like, clearly, not only is this your comfort show, but a show is so much about its characters that like you have to have a comfort character in yeah. each show yeah. or whatever. So like, if I were to get, Ellie is your comfort character in Jurassic Park or who, who would you say? Yeah, Ellie and Alan. Because mm-hmm. he's very awkward. <laughs> and then what about have you talked about your comfort characters and what was your first one again that you mentioned? In Galaxy Quest? Yeah. I would definitely say Sigourney Weaver's character Gwen is my comfort character in that, but also Alan Rickman's character. So So good. Yeah. And like Tim Allen may be like terrible in real life, but also his character in Galaxy Quest is great. His character is Riker. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember I had mentioned in, when I was talking about Night the Museum 2 that uh, Amelia Earhart is my, is like, like my number one, honestly, mm-hmm. like yeah. of all. Yeah. And she's only in the second movie, which is why the second movie is the best. And that's also, like, Hank Zeri is, I think, only in that one movie. Well, I have great news right? about Amelia Earhart and Captain Janeway. Yeah. They did once meet. I know. I watched it's the so episode. So true. It's true. Yeah. And then, if I could really quickly uh, dovetail back to Dimension 20 so that I could talk about my comfort characters in that <laughs> one, um, that's the thing that I also, like, really love about it is because the, uh, like, just focusing in on, on Fantasy High, the six player characters in that, like, first of all, the NPCs are all, like, very, like, real and everything, and, you know, Brennan does such a good job bringing them all to life and everything, mm-hmm. but those six player characters, like, it's impossible to choose who your favorite is, and that's, like, how you know how great they are, mm-hmm. because, like, you love all six of them. They're all very, very special it's in like different ways. It's like trying to pick a favorite character from TNG. I'm like, but yeah. I love them all. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So. I can segue into my current comfort media, which is the X-Files. Mm-hmm. They're related. There's two petite redheads in there with bobs. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm currently watching The X-Files for the first time. It's really delightful, and I am sorry that it took me so long to get there. I have no excuse, because my mom bought me the entire series on Blu-ray for Christmas, like, six years ago, and I just dragged my feet for Sometimes six years. Sometimes it takes a quick minute, you know? And then, I like, I watched, like, the first two seasons a couple years ago, and it just didn't, like, stick. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the first two seasons of a lot of, like, 90s shows are, like, oh, they're a little rough. Yeah. We can say that. It's true. But, like, now I'm watching it, and it's stuck in, like, February, and I've been having a great time. Yeah. And my comfort character from The X-Files is obviously Scully, Scully because obviously. I'm a woman of taste. Yes. Like, come on. It's Jillian Anderson, please. Yeah. Jillian Anderson, like, everyone on the show is good, but Jillian Anderson carries the show single-handedly at some points. The fact that they didn't even realize it? Like, what the hell? Like, 
is she okay? Have we checked if her spine has any damage? Because she's carrying the entire show on her back for 11 seasons (laughs) and two movies. But it's just, it's so good, and I'm, like, I'm just having a great time watching it. Like, the movie slaps. The, like, overall narrative arc is good, but also, like, the monsters one-off episodes are also really fun. It ranges from being, like, spooky and funny and to, like, spooky and romantic or, like, genuinely true crimey horror, mm-hmm. which is, like, all genres that I love combined into, like, one, one show. One TV show. Exactly. About aliens. Exactly. And I'm just like, wow, it's everything that I love. <laughs> So yeah, I'm currently on season eight, so rest in peace, Mulder. Ha! Uh, <laughs> Spoiler um, alert, he comes back. <laughs> which, like, I figured. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's just, it's really good, and I'm having a great time, and I love that it's basically just a show about their love story. Shot in Vancouver! Aliens. Shot in Vancouver. Yeah, it's great. My One of my favorite genres overall is just romantic horror, mm-hmm. which I think The X-Files falls into, and, like, I would throw The Haunting series in there and The Conjuring series. Yeah. Just anything that's, like, it's horror, but also it's a romance. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I'm scared, but I'm also having a great time because I'm watching people who are in love with each other. Exactly. I just think we should have more of that. It's so weird that you're going through, like, these eras of media, considering, like, that's where I was as a teenager, like, doing those eras. Like, I was watching The X-Files the night I got into, like, a car accident, mm-hmm. and the only thing that I friggin' remember for that entire week is watching <laughs> Bad Blood before I was getting ready to go to the party. Like, that's all I remember is watching Bad Blood. Incredible. Like, my X-Files era and my Star Trek eras were, like, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I feel like the pandemic was great for revisiting all of those older mm-hmm. things and, like, realizing, oh, these are great because people really cared about making them. Yeah. Yeah. I've turned 2021 into my year that I'm watching all of the shows that I, like, missed in my teenage mm-hmm. years, because, like, we only had, like, one TV that got satellite TV. Yeah. And... I didn't have Netflix or, like, Hulu or whatever because we didn't have, like, strong enough internet for that. So, like, the way that I watched TV series, like, that I wanted to watch was either to watch them live as they were happening or to rent them from Blockbuster. That's what I did. That's how Uh, I did it, but it's because I'm old, not because I didn't have internet. But, like, so I I never got to watch The X-Files or Gilmore Girls or have most of Star Trek or, Mm -hmm. like, any of that. When I was younger, so now I'm like, I'm gonna check them all off. I'm, I'm, these are like big cultural experiences that I'm missing from my life. And I want to add them to it. And it turns out they're really good. Yeah. (laughs) They also hit different when you're gay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, Also, sci fi just keeps it locked down with the MILFs, and I, I gotta, I don't know how they do that. I gotta hand it to them. Yeah. My pick for my comfort comedy slash thing that I mostly will turn to when I really need comfort is Bob Burgers. It's just so delightful. I love that show so much. <laughs> like, every episode, I'm just like, I am happy for 24 minutes a day. Yeah. And that's really all that I need. <laughs> I don't know. There's just, like, something so great about, even though they never actually succeed, like, the Belchers right. will never actually have a they successful do, they restaurant. They win sometimes. Yeah, every once in a while, but it's not, like, it doesn't stick. But their family reminds me so much of my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just sheer chaos 24-7. Mm-hmm. Someone's always yelling. Someone's always doing something they shouldn't. Someone's always burping. It just, like, <laughs> reminds me so much of my family. So I'm just like, this is the perfect show. Tag yourself, I'm always burping. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, also same. 
it's so funny because it's such a good animated show, and it's supposed to be like an animated show that's like for adults, but it's mm-hmm. like not Family Guy, you know? Yeah, like, it's, not, right. it's not offensive. It's, it's and it's not, not and, disgusting. Like, exactly. I'm not upset when I'm watching it. There's, the first season has a couple really questionable yeah, things, like, sure. um, especially in regards to, like, the trans community that I'm like, I personally recommend skipping the entire first season. Yeah. Um, you don't need it. But then after that, they clearly, like, got it figured mm-hmm. out because then they actually introduced trans characters, like Marshmallow and stuff. Is so, it, isn't season, the season one finale is the Taffy Factory, right? No, that's 201. Oh, well, yeah, then yeah, you, you don't need watch, season yeah, one. You don't need season one at all. Just start at season two. I was going to say, just watch the finale, but no, you just start at season two. Yeah, yeah. and there's so many good guest stars and stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. why it's like every episode we sit down and watch, and it's like, this episode might include things that some viewers may find offensive. And I'm like, if you find anything offensive about Bob's Burgers, other than the first season, obviously, why? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what, like, sure, Gene said beef curtains once. That was funny! <laughs> the things that Gene says are the only things that I think could be found offensive, and they're just funny. And if you find it offensive, you probably just don't have a sense of humor. I'm or sorry. Like, or, like, you shouldn't be letting your kids watch Yeah, this. no, no, definitely don't let your kids. kids. It's, it's not a kid's adult. show. And it's, it's so much funnier than Family Guy. It's just so delightful, and, like, all the characters, like, they're stupid and funny, and you root for them, even though they're stupid. Yeah. I'm gonna make you guys tell me who your favorite Belcher is. No, th- I hate this I'm question because do I don't it. know. I'm gonna make mm. you do it. I, okay, here's some, mm. here's my controversial thing. I know that my favorite isn't Tina. Okay, like, Tina's probably my least favorite. Yeah, actor. I don't. I agree. I love Tina, and I understand that Tina is supposed to sort of be like the antithesis of the Meg from Family Guy in that she's a dork, but everyone still loves her. Yeah. But her obsession with boys, I mean, as a gay person, can't really. Feel, I feel like the most popular opinion is Louise. And I also know, not that I don't like Louise, but I know that Louise is also not my favorite. I think Jean's my favorite. I think Jean's my favorite, too. It's in between Jean and Linda for me. Yeah, Jean, Linda, and Bob are my favorite because I relate relate so deeply to whatever goes on in Linda's head. I think Gene is so funny. There are some things funny. There are some things that he says that I'm like, all right, we didn't need to share that one. There's some, <laughs> but like, but sometimes he says just like whatever comes into his head, and I'm just like, there's he a, speaks for me. There's an earnestness in yeah. Gene that makes him really like genuine and like wholesome. Yeah. He just loves his mom. There's, like, this one episode where he, there's, like, a substitute cook Mm -hmm. in the kitchen, and she's, like, this Spanish woman who makes chocolate, and Jean has, like, this sexual awakening, but it's only with chocolate? Yeah. (laughs) It's so weird and so funny. My favorite Jean joke is when he sees somebody do, like, the I'm watching you, like, two fingers your eyes and then my eyes or whatever <laughs> and he goes oh my god he wants to switch eyes that was Andy and Ollie no it wasn't yes it was there's I, no f-ing way I remember it as Jean I wonder if there's two different things for that then maybe this is gonna be fun for us oh no I guess I'll have to watch those episodes oh, isn't oh, it the episode oh, the, is it not it's the episode where he steals the toilet from yes, the woods yes <laughs> are oh, yeah, not even there literally the um yeah they're there <laughs> decide that they have to rescue the toilet from Max Flush. I'm pretty <laughs> sure they have to like stage a toilet heist. Uh-huh. Hey guys, just wanted to mention something deeply important. Uh, I was right, and here's evidence. Thank you. Oh no, he's not leaving. He's staking us out. We'll have to lay low for a while. We can't lay low. We have to get back to the toilet. We'll need a plan. Tina, cancel all of my appointments. That's gonna take a while. Gene, hold my calls. 
switch eyes. Yeah, I think my favorite is probably either Linda or Louise. Yeah, because as a Scorpio, Louis, I relate to Louise. Louise. Of course. Yeah. And as the mom of a household, mm-hmm. I relate to Linda. Right. Yeah, you, I am truly the Bob to Linda sometimes, mm-hmm. but also sometimes. But also, we're you're both the Linda, Linda to my mom. Yeah. Yeah. What are your sun, moon, and rising? <laughs> okay. See, that's a different question. Exactly. Then who, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? I know that I'm Jean. I don't think I am Jean, but I don't know who I am. I am Jean oh, with a Linda true. rising and like a Bob moon or something. I am Louise Sun. Like if I'm if I'm basing off of my actual star chart, I'm a Louise Sun with a Linda moon and a Bob rising. Mm, I'm just I'm scared that I'm Gale. Oh. oh my god, you're not Gale. Thank what is wrong so with you're you? You're not Gale. Thank you. Like, I'm sorry, but you're a little too evil to be Gale. Because like I, you are evil, so there's a definite Louise in there for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I get where you're going because, like, you often, like, gravitate toward the quirky character, yeah. uh, like, in terms of personality, but you're not Gale because you. no. she's not quirky. She's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Tina is quirky. I think I'm Jimmy Jr., but not mean. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, mean. I think I'm Jimmy Jr. You're, you're Jimmy, Jimmy Jr. Which is why I kind of like Jimmy Jr. That's why <laughs> I like Jimmy, Jimmy Jr. You are a Jimmy Jr. apologist, which like is so confusing to me because I hate that kid. I'm like, I <laughs> love Riley, but I can't stand Jimmy Jr. And Tina deserves much better than Jimmy Jr. Yeah, Zeke. Yeah. Oh, Zeke, a little himbo. Yeah. My pick for comedy is just is Schitt's Creek because it's. It's a perfect show. Good. That everyone should watch, I think. Uh, it's just, just it's one of the first, like, sitcoms where I feel seen as a gay person, and, like, the writing is just very funny, and, again, I, I think I like, my all my comfort media is very genuine. Yeah. Yeah. The characters are very compelling, and, like, they start out as assholes, and they're, like, mm-hmm. all still a little bit of an asshole by the end, but, yeah. like... They learn so much, but they and they grow so much. They've put down roots for the first time in their entire lives, and it's like it's just really nice to like see people learn to love themselves and like everyone around them. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think that similar to a lot of other comedies like The Office and Parks and Rec and stuff, you have to kind of like muscle your way through the first season. I would say, sure. and then and then after that, because I I think I watched like the first five episodes and I was just like meh, and then when I continued on, I was like oh wait. I so. think the thing that keeps you going through the first five episodes is wondering what the hell David's gonna say next. Yeah, that's that's another thing is that like a lot of good shows that we're talking about is because like you can't pick who your favorite is because all of the main characters are so good. Like I genuinely yeah. don't know who my favorite Rose is. Yeah, I don't know. Probably David, David, and also Moira. Yeah. yeah. I love Johnny's earnestness, and Alexis, like, has, like, a full and complete Alexis is, like, mm-hmm. growth is yeah. amazing. But I've never wanted to punch someone harder than Roland, <laughs> yeah. which is a testament to, like, that actor, of course. Mm-hmm. But, like, I love that, like, the roots of the show were born on SCTV, which is, like, original Canadian SNL. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all of those actors sort of went and had different careers, and then they all came back, and they were like, let's make a giant Canadian comedy. Yeah. And for some reason, it just blew up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool. And, like, Dan Levy is just such a good writer that mm-hmm. uh, I will probably watch anything he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, whenever people are like, can you guys, like, get over Shit's Creek or, like, it's getting it's getting too overexposed, I'm like, no, 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 shut up. You have no <laughs> idea how big this is for Canada as a country to finally have a successful <laughs> TV show. Yeah. Shut up! <laughs> Speaking of gay shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race is so good. 
I'm literally looking at Robin's iPad, which has drag queens on it. Oopsie. Drag as a medium is a comforting medium. I also, I feel so powerful in that I brought, like, through, through the, like, power of transference. Sure. I don't know what you're trying to say, so I can't help. It's probably not the word I'm looking for, but my influence is so strong that I got, like, maybe 15 people to watch Drag Race Mm -hmm. after I was lured into Drag Race. So, technically, my friends Erin and Elizabeth influence is so strong because uh, they got me into Drag Race. When I moved out and moved to D.C., season nine of Drag Race was starting, and they were like, wait, you've never seen Drag Race? And so I watched season nine live with them. And then they went back and showed me, like, their favorite seasons, and now I'm addicted to Drag Race, and it makes me happy. She texted um, me, and she was like, you need to watch this, and I was like, why? And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay. And I turned to Robin, and I went, you need to watch this. And Robin <laughs> took it very seriously, and started at the beginning, which I still have not done. Yeah, I've still not seen seasons one and two, but Robin watched them all in order. Yeah. I have obsessive-compulsive tendencies, Mm -hmm. so I had to watch it in order. Yeah, season one, like everyone says, was shot on a A camera that had, like, Vaseline over the lens. Really? (laughs) A potato. Yeah, I wouldn't... It it wasn't that good. I, I don't think that you're missing anything by skipping season one, but... I think season two is required reading, and you guys should probably go for it. Oh, good. I'll watch it someday. Yeah. I would say that, like, all of the seasons have a lot going for them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I recommend all of them. There's always a handful of queens that you're, like, you fall in love with every season. I think the great thing about Drag Race that a lot of us, like, experience, especially in this house, is... It was a gateway to learning more about our own community. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of stuff that I learned from Drag Race that I had no knowledge about. And then, of course, I went and learned more because Drag Race is just sort of, you know, a very... It's gay, like... A, it's, like it's, it's, it's like scoop of the, off yeah. the top of, like, the yeah. culture of drag. And but they talk about things that are actually really super important and are really educational, and you get to do all of that while watching people in dresses mm-hmm. slap a lot of makeup on their face and try to do improv. And, and it's just yeah. so funny. <laughs> and it's so funny, and, like, they're so talented, and it, like... It's like a mainstream reality show all about gay people, Mm -hmm. and you get to see other gay people up there on TV, like, being goofy and having fun and, like, being themselves. And it's a fashion show. We are running out of time a little bit here, and I want to talk about my last thing, but... Are we going to talk about our comfort drag queens then? That's what I'm saying, is that (laughs) we all have to give, like, a top three at least for our top drag queens. I personally find that the most comforting drag queen in the entire world is Nina West because she is the uh, most positive person that I think has ever been on this planet. I respect that entirely. Yeah. I don't know who my favorite is, though, because it, it really changes. It was Bianca Del Rio, but now she's just too mean. Mm, yeah. Your favorites fluctuate at any given time, like, with the season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. But also, like, support your local queens, just FYI. Yeah. The queens on RuPaul's Drag Race are not the only queens in existence. Mm-hmm. But, that being said, my f- current favorite... Rue girls. Number one is Jackie Cox currently and probably will be forever now. Do you think it's because she's a Trekkie? It's because she's a Trekkie yeah. and also like just such a fangirl and I met her before she was on Drag Race which was really cool for and me. And who was she dressed as? She was dressed as Deanna Troy. There you go. So she has taste. And she also has a podcast and I like I'm on a podcast but I don't listen to very many. 
and it's one of the only ones that I'll like actively listen to and it's called It Do Take Nerd. Oh, that's really funny. And she has like different guest stars each week and it's usually like a drag queen and someone in the nerd world, like comic book artists or Star Trek people or Star Trek actors. And it's really cool. (laughs) So Jackie is probably my number one right now. And since we just finished watching season 13, Rosé is in my top three Mm. currently because I think she's delightful and extremely talented. Mm. Denali was robbed. So true, bestie. Gomic is my child. (laughs) And then for third, I will go with our current reigning all-stars queen, Shea Coulee. Oh, duh. Yeah. Okay, so my number one is always Trixie. Mm -hmm. Um, Trixie's just a classic, you know? She's just a classic queen. I think we talked about, like, on this feed, we talked about, like, in our um, full season roundup, we talked about, um, like, some comfort shows and everything, Mm -hmm. and then we mentioned Uh, which is uh, Trixie and Katya's show, like, web series that you can find on YouTube. If you just search Trixie and Katya, it'll come up. Don't worry about spelling Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, Trixie, and then Katya is definitely somewhere on my list, but I want to be able to name... Three and so Trixie and Katya kind of go together. Mm-hmm. For yeah, that. that's my thought as that's, well. That's completely fair. You can't really name one without the other. Yeah. And I also never think to name them in the top because, like, to me, there's just like mainstays. Like they're just right. Katya is probably the reason that I got everyone into Drag Race. She is. I saw Katya and I was like, I'm confused because I'm bisexual. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so Trixie and Katya tied for number one, I guess. Yes. And then tied for two and three is Vanjie and... Oh, Vanjie! Uh, Vanjie and Alyssa. And oh, Alyssa so Everett. good. Alyssa! Such good choices. Um, I have been lucky enough in my life to have met Trixie, Katya, and Alyssa. And then we saw Vanjie, but we had... We, but we yeah, didn't we didn't meet, meet Vanjie, yeah. Trixie and Katya, they were both very nice to me, very nice people. Um, and Alyssa was also very nice. But we got to sit front row. Well, I was in front I was front row for Trixie, too, but I was all by myself. Um, but me and Brittany went <laughs> yeah. to see Alyssa front row, and she was supposed to talk for, like, half an hour and then perform a little bit. She talked for, like, an hour and a half. I was <laughs> laughing the entire time. Because she can't shut up. She's so funny. And you guys should check out, um, she had, like, a whole Netflix thing called Dancing Queen. So. Which does like, not super, demonstrate how funny she is, She was also, way. like, super nice when you guys met her, too. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. so nice. She was... Of, like, all the drag queens that I've met, she was the one who was, like, genuinely interested in me as a person. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, my last thing really quickly, and we don't have to talk too much about this, but the last thing, like, if I need some comfort or anything, sometimes I'll just put on the Taylor Swift Long Pond Studios for folklore. One of our upcoming episodes of this podcast is going to be ranking the Taylor Swift albums. (laughs) I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm going to do, but what I do know is that I like folklore more than evermore and the main reason is because of the long pond studios uh-huh i saw on tiktok someone was mentioning that like evermore has better songs in general but folklore is more of like a i saw that vibe. too i saw that someone was like folklore is a better album but evermore has better songs folklore has more is like more cohesive yeah. and i enjoy listening to folklore more because i know what taylor's like intent was behind the song and i know exactly what like story she was trying to tell because of long pond long pond evermore when (laughs) when please god whenever robin has long pond on i'm like oh robin's getting her therapy today yeah 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 i would put on the uh reputation stadium tour yeah over and over again um, because Reputation is my favorite Taylor Swift album. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just, a, just a little preview of our uh, <laughs> ranking. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. will be sitting here for that. 
That's okay. You I'm going to be sitting here for the, disco- like, dis- for the discovery one. You can rank yeah. like the three that you like the most. Sure. Yeah. I'm just not a, I'm not a Swifty. I respect Taylor and I enjoy listening to her music, but I'm not like rabid about it the way these two are. And I support them so much for it. So like, just for the record, I'm really, really happy that you guys are happy all the time. Yeah. Man, this past year has been a ride. It's yeah. been this, great. This <laughs> podcast comes out on May 1st, and there's this whole thing about what's going to happen on April 30th. We may sound like absolute goons. <laughs> because, I don't know, Taylor has said, hey, here's when Evermore Long Pond is, or like, whatever. Yeah. It ends up being, or nothing. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we're all yeah. just crazy. Or we no, look like goons some, because we I think, think there's something. something. I think it's something, too. Otherwise, she's just Or the remastering of, like, <laughs> the re-recording of, like, 1989 or something. Mm-hmm. But there's yeah. something coming. What what date? April 30th. April 30th. April 30th. So the day before this this comes out on Patreon. That, so. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you so much to you for listening and for supporting us on Patreon because we love and appreciate you all so much. You make this happen, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, and I post gifts of our hairline awards on Tumblr. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-U-I-S. And our next episode is going to be going out on our Stranger Things feed, and it's going to be about, like, throwback media. We were originally just going to, like, put it on 80s, but I was like, Wonderwall came out in 1995. (laughs) I need to talk about about Wonderwall, so. Robin's like, just in case you don't know, I'm younger than these old people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did not say anything about my age. I just said that Wonderwall came out in 1995. That's said, all I said. Sam said, I heard that and I internalized it. <laughs> so we will see you guys back here in two weeks. Same place, same time, different topic. So it's <laughs> Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you, bye.